the dark side is more like um, a shadow that follows us wherever we go. What it is, it's the unseen uh, motivations, the drives, the passions that are underneath the kind of pushing us to uh, accomplish things in our lives. Motivations can be difficult to identify. They're a mix of our past, our personality, our dreams. Gary McIntosh is a distinguished professor, researcher, and has been consulting and leadership coaching for nonprofits and churches for over 40 years. ECFA's Michael Martin and Gary discuss one of his books, Overcoming the Dark Side of Leadership, How to Become an Effective Leader by Confronting Potential Failures. Stick around. Trust what you say to be honest and true, um, eventually they lose trust and then you can't leave. Hello, Gary. Welcome to the ECFA podcast. How are you? Hey, Michael. I'm doing great. It's uh, good to be with you today. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you so much. I'll tell you what, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while now and uh, just excited to jump in and was sharing with you that this is the what we call the behind the seal podcast where at ecfa we talk about the ecfa seal well, we're going to go behind the seal and just let folks in and even on some of the things we're working on and things we're thinking about and you know i've shared with you um, healthy leadership has been one of those things that we're really thinking more about and even done some survey work with our members where we're asking about healthy leadership and how that relates to trust and even financial accountability and Gary, on a survey that we did with uh, almost 800 members that responded, we asked about resources that were helpful. And one of the most popular that just kept coming up and coming up was this Overcoming the Dark Side of Leadership, um, which I think is celebrating about 25 years now. You probably can't believe that, but I uh, just wanted to continue to come back to some of the great principles from that resource. Thank you. I, I did not realize that uh, it would pop up that high on your uh, members list, but uh, I'm uh, honored that it did. Uh, it sounds like it's, uh, you know, met a need out there. Well, I think so. And I'll say, um, you know, I don't know a lot of these issues are things that are sort of um, been around for a long time. I mean, <laughs> but uh, just more and more, I think we're seeing this as an important need. And I'd say in some ways, your book was a book ahead of its time. Um, but I'm grateful that it has been such a blessing. And, you know, I'd say just from my perspective, I think probably a couple reasons for that is I, I didn't get the sense to, and I've, I've read the book cover to cover and just taken away so much. But I think it's one of those things where um, the approach has not been, hey, we're, you know, just pointing our fingers at what's wrong with leaders or even kind of bemoaning, you know, the number of failures or things that have happened. But it's really to kind of get to unpacking, let's understand sometimes why this can be the case, you know, what can contribute and, and also what can we put in place in order to help encourage healthy leadership? Well, uh, I'm glad you picked up that uh, feeling from the book because we weren't trying to uh, point fingers or anything, but uh, uh, my co-author and I had noticed, as everybody has, uh, that in every field of endeavor, uh, there seems to be uh, a lack of integrity uh, that is popping up more and more. You know, I'm not sure that it's, uh, as you mentioned, uh, these are old issues, and uh, we know they go back, you know, in time. Uh, and we actually use a lot of illustrations of people from uh, years ago, particularly uh, yes. the Bible. But, uh, you know, these are old issues. It's not new today. I think what's new today is the visibility uh, because, um, because of the internet, uh, you know, years ago, if uh, say uh, a pastor in uh, Florida had embezzled some money, uh, I living in California would have never heard about it. Uh, uh, today, if that pastor embezzles some money, it's on the internet, and I hear it, you know, tonight when I look at Facebook or something, you know, uh, I I'm just really not sure that it's as uh, epidemic of a problem as uh, we think it is it's, maybe it's just that it's more visible but you know there hasn't been a lot of research on that i don't know how you would study that uh, 
to find out, you know, but um, I, I think that's part of the issue. We're just, we're more aware and maybe yeah. it's good that we are more, more aware because then we can be more sensitive to it. Well, I'm glad you said that. I was just thinking the same thing is, you know, I know that there's the, um, the shadow or the negative side that can come from like news overload and things like that. But I think the awareness is huge and, and it's something that is leaders too that are coming from a biblical worldview and a standpoint, you know, caring about these things and that mandate of giving the world the right impression of God, as we often say here at ECFA. So I think that awareness is, is really not all bad. Um, so yeah, I just think even too, um, jumping in. So the, the title is overcoming the dark side of leadership, or you've talked a lot about the dark side of leadership. So maybe we even start there and, and kind of saying, okay, how do we define that? What exactly does that mean? It sounds a little ominous, <laughs> uh, but can you tell us what you mean by that? It, it does. And uh, particularly because of uh, the old star Wars movies, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it, about that. come over to the dark side, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we weren't, uh, you know, we weren't thinking of the dark side as being uh, necessarily a negative thing. Uh, well, it can be, but it can also be positive, which we can talk about in a minute. Um, I like uh, the way the Korean translation does it. There, this book has been translated into multiple languages, and the, in the Korean translation, uh, they actually call it the shadow side. Yes. And I like that concept a little bit better um it's like when we're outside the sun's hitting our body if we turn around and look on the opposite side we see our shadow on the sidewalk and that's the concept i would uh, say to your listeners uh the dark side is more like um a shadow that follows us wherever we go and uh what it is it's the unseen uh, motivations, the drives, the passions that are underneath um, uh, kind of pushing us to uh, accomplish things in our lives. Uh, so to give a, a classic example, well, would be uh, a person who maybe had an absentee father in their life. And as they grow up, they become a workaholic. Well, why are they a workaholic? You know, why are they driven to spend extra hours at work and uh, neglect their family and, you know, cancel vacations and not go on vacation? What is the, uh, the unseen motivation, passion, or drive that's causing them to do that? Uh, well, in the case I just suggested, it might be that the dark side or the shadow side is that they're trying to prove their worth to a father who was never there. Uh, so uh, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, uh, there's this, uh, this shadow, this dark side that's forcing them to work extra hard to the point that it hurts their, their family, their physical life. And, but the shadow side is that they're, you know, they're trying to prove their worth to this father who uh, was not there. Uh, and, but they don't, they don't see that, <clears throat> you know, it, it's not something that uh, they think about, talk about, uh, and unless they really, you know, kind of investigate their own life, you know, why am I such, so driven to work so hard, you know, but a lot of wow. people don't even ask that question. They just work hard, you know, and <laughs> that's right. Yeah. The good thing, and that's an example too of how it can be good and bad, because the good thing is that it drives them to be um, a hard worker, <laughs> which is not wow. bad to be a hard worker. It, it probably leads to success. Uh, but on the other hand, it's got the, the dark side in that it causes them to maybe injure their family because they're not there for their family. It's, mm. They should be. So, yeah, hope yeah, that'll help the um, the the listeners, you know, get a, a better perspective of what we mean by dark side. Yeah, that's good. No, and I hope that I think that will help really set the stage for a lot of other great principles that we'll we'll keep unpacking here. Yeah, I like how you describe that as is the unseen 
motivation and drive and really whether we realize it or not, you know, like you said, so much of life, we're kind of on autopilot and we're just going and doing and living the next day and doing the next thing. And so many times we don't realize what's unseen, you know, below the surface, motivating us, driving us. And I also like how you said it's really just part of being human. Like this is part of the human experience, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. Because we all have uh, experiences uh, that uh, are kind of hidden in our life that kind of end up being motivators uh, for the future. And we often just don't think about it. Like you say, we just, we're just living life and not thinking about it. And, uh, but there's, there's things there, uh, uh, motivating us, whatever, whatever it is, you know, that's right. That's right. And coming back to applying these principles, I guess, in the context of leadership, uh, Gary, why is it important to that as leaders, we really understand this whole idea of there's a dark side or there's a shadow side and and some of these motivations uh, that are unseen that are driving us. Why is it important in leadership in particular that we understand that? It's important because if we're not aware of them, uh, there's nothing that we can do to mitigate uh, the negative aspects of it. Um, And I think uh if if we can be aware of what our motivations are and you know honestly i don't know that we can ever know completely uh what our motivations are uh you know the lord knows the heart knows our motivations uh which is a scary thought sometimes you know because i i wonder sometimes you know even in my old life why am i doing this you know (laughs) am i doing it for the right motive or the wrong motive well I can investigate that to a point, but, uh, you know, deep down in the recesses of my heart and soul, uh, only God really knows. But uh, I, I think uh, the more we can know ourselves and be aware of what is driving us in our life, uh, to be a good parent, to be a success in life, to, uh, you know, serve in ministry, uh, you know, to be the CEO of a company, whatever. Uh, I think we can, uh, to some extent, uh, redeem the negative portions of that um, and so that we uh, don't uh, cause harm uh, to ourselves, to our family, to other people. Um, I think um, so that we can use, be a healthier person, you know, uh, a, a a better, well-rounded person, not driven by things that we're not aware of. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's just a healthier lifestyle. Uh, you know, if we can know uh, and be aware of what's driving us. I think that's right. Yeah, and uh, it really begins with, you know, like you said, we'll never, we'll, we're none of us are ever going to arrive, right? But um, it at least starts with awareness, and then let's kind of go on this journey, right? And I like too how you said that when leaders refuse to take the inward journey to explore and to resolve their dark side issues, um, you do point out that the result will often be some form of a leadership failure, and. Uh, we'll get a little bit, I'd love to explore more with you too about how the particulars of like a ministry environment, but let's even zoom out a little bit because I think one thing that was helpful, I hadn't given a whole lot of thought of the, uh, about this too, but we think about just um, leaders in all contexts, you know, in business or government. Uh, let's not pick on the lead, the ministry leaders for a moment. Let's kind of zoom out a little bit and say, this is a phenomenon that's true just about human nature in general, right? So can you give us some of those examples that you've seen in your experience? Because I, I think that'll help us too in our understanding. It's not just a ministry issue. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's right. Yeah. Well, before, <clears throat> excuse me, before I went into to ministry, um, I uh, uh, worked in corporate America for three years. <clears throat> and um, I remember having a, a district manager uh, who uh, came in one day and he, he pulled all the, I think there were 29 of us who uh, were managing stores uh, in the district. And uh, he pulled us all in and after welcoming us, the very first thing he said was, 
uh, I'm here to make money, and if I have to step on you to make money, I'm going to do it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's a quote, man. That's a quote. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at the time, I was too young to to, to uh, investigate his motive. Mm. But now I look back on that, and I think, you know, what was causing him uh, to approach us um, in a corporation like that? I mean, it would have been much better if he would have come in and uh, cast a vision for customer service and uh, supporting each other and uh, a collegial work environment. And of course, we hear a lot about that today. <clears throat> but yeah. this, this is going back now uh, to uh, the 1970s. And in the 1970s, man, it was dog eat dog. Uh, well, I, yeah. I just, and you point out even today, too, right, with, you know, political leaders and so on, like, you know, those that have that reached certain levels of, I guess, what we would deem success, you know, right? There's oftentimes it is that drive or there's that something that's kind of behind it. That's right. That's right. And um, the drive, uh, it it shows itself in treating people poorly. Uh, which is what I experienced uh, in that corporate environment, uh, which is one reason I left the corporate environment. Uh, actually, the Lord called me to, to ministry, but I, uh, you know, that was part of the, the overall picture. Uh, but uh, treating people poorly, uh, sometimes you'll have uh, people in corporate leadership who will outright lie. Uh, uh, to uh, shareholders, to customers, to employees, you know. And what happens is um, eventually they get caught. Uh, eventually the lie shows up. And uh, then that undermines trust because uh, you mentioned it earlier in, in your introduction. Um, leadership is all about trust. Uh, I mean, I, I've taught leadership for years and I, I think that is a bottom line, uh, leadership's about trust. And if, um, the people who are under you can't trust you, uh, to treat them fairly, to treat them well, kindly, respectfully, if they can't trust what you say to be honest and true, um, eventually they lose trust and then you can't leave. Uh, because if you stand up and say something to your employees or, uh, to your shareholders and they can't trust it, <laughs> you know, they don't know if you're telling the truth now, or if you're telling a lie like you did before. And, um, that's something I've seen happen, uh, both in ministry, believe it or not, um, and, and in a corporate America where the, the CEO or CFO or somebody uh, outright lies, uh, and maybe they get away with it for a while, but eventually they get caught and, uh, and, and that undermines trust. And then they can no longer be a leader because no people never know if what you're saying is, is true this time or not true this time, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It shows up. Now, why would a person lie? Let's see that that's where we get in our book is to the, what are the deeper dark side issues? Well, maybe the person, even though they're highly successful, maybe they are um, deep inside, maybe they're insecure. Uh, well, and, and they feel like that they've got to, uh, to, to show themselves perfect or uh, always having the answer or, you know, something. You know, they they they're so insecure they can't allow they can't say well i don't know <laughs> well, no, no, well no. they make up <laughs> something uh to appear you know to to help their cells in their own mind at least appear like they uh have more wisdom or more insight or uh more knowledge or something uh, than they do and what they're really doing is they're they're propping up their own insecurity uh and that's why they lie uh, so then in the book, what we would say is, okay, let's just try and go back a, a few years and let's figure out why are you so insecure? <laughs> well, wow. You're the CEO of the company. You proved yourself to be a success, but you're so insecure, uh, that you can't, um, 
divulge to other people that sometimes you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. And I'd love to come back to some of those, like you say, kind of the steps that somebody should walk through. But uh, Gary, yeah, you mentioned insecurity. That was very helpful. What are some of the other broad categories that you all identified? Because uh, I think that's helpful too. Um, it's not a one size fits all, but there are some some kind of common tendencies that we do see as it relates to the dark side. So what else in addition to insecurity? Well, in the book, we um, actually uh, outline uh, five different uh, typical types uh, of people. Um, and, you know, we've been talking uh, a little bit today about, uh, you know, we, we talk about the compulsive leader. Uh, and a compulsive leader um, is a person who um, is, is highly driven. Uh, they um, are really concerned about their status and how they appear to other people. Um, you know, they're really seeking approval from other people. Um, and so this is a person that typically becomes a workaholic type of person. And that shows up in uh, uh, any kind of a business environment or church environment, um, you know, with a, uh, uh, a leader. Um, that You know, we've mentioned that a lot. Uh, one that uh, you'll read a lot about today people are concerned with is what's called the narcissistic leader. And mm, Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, the a narcissistic leader uh, who is, is a person who needs to uh, have a claim, they need to be admired, uh, you know, they uh, have to always have a, a sense of approval. Uh, they typically, you know, have to be up front in every organization, every meeting. Uh, uh, someone jokingly said the narcissistic leader, uh, you know, is the bride at every wedding and the course in every funeral, you know, the Wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, there's a lot of concern, and, and today you'll see a lot of writing about the, the concern of uh, narcissistic leaders being uh, megachurch pastors sometimes. I, no, no, no. I'm personally not um, uh, one who believes that every uh, pastor of a megachurch is narcissistic, but uh, there are some people that are highly critical uh, of that. And, you know, there may be some, uh, but uh, anybody who gets into uh, leadership of big organizations, um, you know, they they have to have some uh, desire to be up front. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, I was going to ask you why you think, too, that we are seeing that rise. Is it just kind of a rise in interest or what do you make of that? Just that conversation around narcissism and leadership. I, I think just uh, observers of the situation are uh, are noticing that uh, you know some leaders appear to just want the acclaim, uh, you know, just want the, uh, the admiration uh, up front. Um, you know, there's, there's uh, nothing necessarily wrong about being up front and and wanting to be honored uh, for what you do. Uh, in fact, the Bible says to give honor to whom honors do. Uh, but uh, it's when it becomes, uh, uh, I guess you would say, uh, the driving force of your life, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, why would a person uh, always have to have that uh, acclaim uh, and, and desire that? Uh, again, it might be... Uh, insecurities of some sort um you know i mean there could be there could be multiple uh reasons for that uh, but uh usually the uh, as we point out in the book the the major issue of the narcissistic leader uh is the feelings uh typically of inferiority uh, mm -hmm. that they they feel that they've just got to have that uh acclaim uh whereas with the compulsive leader uh, the the basic driving forces are usually some sort of uh, anger or rebellious uh, feelings uh, from the past. And we don't have time today to unpack all these, uh, but uh, you're 
your listeners can read the book. Uh, I wish they would, uh, too. Thank you uh, for them. Thank you to those who do. But, uh, you know, sometimes there's an anger uh, that a person um, has deeply rooted in their life um, from the past, you know, uh, and that that causes them to uh, be very compulsive in their life. Uh, yeah, and Gary, too, I was going to say, yeah, I appreciate yeah, kind of some of that overview. And like you say, there are other categories, you know, that we, we, we should be mindful of. And the word that come to mind too, as I was just listening, reflecting on some of what you're saying is really takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot of humility uh, as a leader, as a person to just acknowledge that, you know, we're all broken. We all have, you know, these experiences, um, perhaps shadow sides, and so um, takes a level of humility for a leader to look inward. And so what are, you know, in the spirit of redeeming, because God is a redeemer. And like you say, some of these things can be used for, for good. Um, there's danger when we don't take that time to go through a transformational process with the Lord. But um, for those leaders who are humble enough and are wanting to take that inward look, what are just some of the steps that they should take as they're maybe mindful of this issue of, okay, maybe there are some shadows that I need to be aware of and that I need to deal with. In the book, we uh, kind of outline some basic steps. Uh, as you know, and your listeners know, you know, even though we put things in step one, step two, step three, it never, <laughs> never happens that way. <laughs> Not that easy, is it? No. Uh, <laughs> but I think when we, uh, you know, when we're trying to put things on paper, and give people help, it, it's helpful to kind of outline it that way. Uh, I think the first step really is to acknowledge it, you know, uh, to acknowledge that um, I've got some hidden issues um, that are there, and um, I admit it to myself. And as you say, that takes a lot of humility uh, to wow. do that. Uh, but if we can uh, humble ourselves and admit that we've got... Uh, you know, something deep in within us that's causing us uh, to, you know, have this uh, uh, dark side issues. Uh, that's the first step. Uh, it's always the first step. Oh, just acknowledgement. Yeah. Acknowledge and admit yep. it. Now, I think the second step is to uh, take a deep dive uh, into our past and uh. try and identify what it is uh, that is the... Um, uh, the 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 aspects of our life that are are causing us to feel and act uh, respond the way that we do. Um, most of the issues that we have in our lives typically go back to our family of origin. Uh, so ah. we're talking about usually uh, our uh, childhood years, our teen years. Uh, usually things in those that era of our lives is what uh, typically is is driving us uh, in the future. And so sometimes that means that we need some assistance. We need um, a mentor, a spiritual coach, uh, a counselor, uh, somebody to help us kind of unpack that. Uh, sometimes we can do it ourselves, but a lot of times we need uh, someone else who can, we can talk to, they can listen, uh, they can help us uh, see things in our lives uh, that we really can't see uh, ourselves. Um, and again, that's a, that's, a, that's a posture of humility and strength. Well, it really is. <laughs> we, we, can, we can talk about that because, uh, uh, you know, I, I could give you illustrations uh, from my own life. But, uh, yeah, I think... Um, you know, humility is a big issue because a lot of times leaders uh, don't have the humility uh, to get help. You know, they, they don't uh, because uh, particularly if they have strong uh, issues related to their dark side, uh, to admit that they're wrong or to admit that they need help uh, uh, says, well, I'm not perfect. And uh, that is is hard for a leader to do 
uh, sometimes. It sure is. Yeah. And maybe that's actually a good, a kind of a good point here too on the side is for those who are in a community that are surrounding a leader. Um, yeah. Because sometimes it is difficult for, you know, us to see things in ourselves or the, the dark side, if you will, is so strong that we do need those other influences, those other people in our lives, whether it be a spouse or a close friend or someone that you work with or in church community with. And so how do those of us who are surrounding a leader kind of help them uh, maybe take that first step or to see that there's a, a bring some awareness to even some of these issues? I found over the years the best thing to do is to ask questions. Um, it's, it's difficult to tell a person what to do. Uh, you know, if you, if you're a spouse or a member of a board and you, let's say you're a member of a board and you go into the CEO or the senior pastor and say, you've got problems. Well, you know, the minute you use the U word, <laughs> wow. act. uh, and it's better to, you know, for a, a spouse to say, uh, uh, well, honey, I noticed uh, you were getting angry in the hallway with that the person. Uh, what do you think caused you to be so ang angry? Uh, uh. Asking a question. I noticed. Uh, what caused you to be so angry? Or a member of a board perhaps could go into uh, uh, a senior pastor or, or maybe a CEO of a company and say, well, Bob, uh, I was observing you today and your interaction with the secretary, and it seemed like you were really upset. You know, what uh, What was causing you to be upset? Um, and the CEO might say, what are you talking about? I wasn't upset. <laughs> you know. But asking questions, you're going to get further. Questions, right. Asking questions, I think, is, is really the way to go. Uh, and not being afraid to ask questions. Now, uh, sometimes in a board situations, it's wise not to. It, it's wise maybe to schedule a, a coffee time or something, and talk to them in private, and just say, "Well, Bob, I noticed. Uh, you know, I've noticed over the last six months that uh, you always seem to get angry uh, when you're working. Uh, you know, with this person. You know, attack that for me. What's going on here?" And, you know, you try and begin by asking questions, get the person to begin to think a little deeper as to why they are acting the way they're acting. Um, I think that's a way to go. Uh, sometimes it could be maybe if it's really uh, activity that is endangering uh, the organization, the church, uh, I think maybe two or three really trusted, respected people by the leader uh, can maybe, you know, get together with them privately and and bring up some of these issues. Uh, and again, I think it's best to say, hey, we've noticed uh, wow. what's going on. Uh, That's good. But That's as, good. As we've observed over the last few years, uh, and I, I know you're aware of this, that in large organizations, uh, it's really difficult for the board to uh, challenge uh, or the pastor. <laughs> it's, it, uh, you know, we think the board will discipline the leader, but they don't. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's yeah, I would say too. Yeah, along those lines, just encouraging board members to see. We talk. We use the word a lot around here about stewardship, but. But being in that position comes with great responsibility, a great stewardship. And like you say, at times it requires boldness, uh, but in humility. Yeah. Um, yes. Truth and love. Well, yeah, take us back to, so again, if, we're, if we've acknowledged and kind of examined the past and maybe taking some of those next steps to perhaps reach out and get the, the, the other help or the assistance that we need, anything else kind of in that line of, how do we redeem some of this dark side in leadership? Sure. Well, in general, you know, as Christians, we would certainly go to prayer and uh, we would acknowledge in prayer uh, the issues that were that are in our heart and driving us. Um, we would ask the Lord to give us even more awareness and through the Holy Spirit to empower us to, um, you know, to uh, take the necessary steps to uh, correct or change uh, our 
approaches, attitudes, uh, you know, to be more honest, to be open, to be willing to admit when we don't know and, uh, you know, a host of other things. Uh, certainly that's where we start, I think, as the Holy Spirit works within our ourselves to redeem us. Uh, yes. And then from a, from a, um, a human standpoint, I think what we do is uh, we set boundaries. You know, if if we know that, um, uh, you know, there's certain activities in our life that are uh, not healthy, then we set boundaries. Uh, for instance, uh, I know one pastor friend, um, he's, he's passed away now, but um, uh, he was the pastor of a a huge church here in California started a movement of some 500 other churches. Uh, ah. And uh, he almost got a divorce uh, because he was such a workaholic. Uh, he was neglecting his wife. And, uh, you know, she confronted him somehow or other about it. And uh, he, again, he was humble enough to see it and to yeah. adjust his, his schedule. So what he did, believe it or not, is as a pastor, uh, he declared there would be no more meetings after five o'clock in the evening. It's good. Which yeah. Crazy. If, if anybody knows pastors, pastors always have meetings in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's board meetings, there's counseling sessions, on and on and on. Sure, sure. He, if you wanted to meet with this pastor, six a.m. Man, six a.m. Yeah. Start early. Start early. Now, what, <laughs> what that did is it freed up all of his evenings. He was home all evenings, not just uh, two evenings a week, every night of the week. And uh, it also cut down on his meetings because people would come to him and say, Pastor, can I meet with you on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock? He would say, you know, I don't do meetings in the evenings, but I can meet with you Thursday morning at 5 a.m. And say, no, I don't need to meet with you that bad. <laughs> I love that you shared that, though, because sometimes it does. It just comes down to the really practical thing. So I think that's really good. And another another really practical one, too, that I know you've shared with other leaders is um, and coming back to that idea of the relationship between the leader and the board. And it's one that has to be. Uh, just navigated with a lot of wisdom, but boards we say around here, I mean, have such an opportunity, a unique opportunity for influence in the leader's life and in a way that is really almost unlike, you know, anyone else um, that the, that the leader will interact with. But you talk about the annual, even an annual performance review and some of those rhythms and, you know, tell us how even those kinds of conversations or what we might think is kind of a okay, we got to do this, you know, and get this done every year. It can be much more than just a, a procedural, you know, check the box. We need to get this done by the end of the year. But even Gary, those are opportunities to surface some of these kinds of issues, aren't they? Well, it is. And uh, what I found, uh, particularly in uh, pastoral ministry, in churches, is an annual performance review is probably the most difficult thing for the board to do in many ways. And, you know, uh, if you're evaluating a CEO, uh, say of a for-profit company, uh, you know, you can evaluate them. You can do a 360 uh, uh, evaluation. Uh, you can definitely look at profit and loss and, and acquisitions and, you know, divestitures and all that. And as, as you know, it's, um, in a in a, a corporate world, it's a little bit easier to evaluate. <clears throat> uh, when you come to a church, uh, you know, boards I found they find it very difficult. How do you evaluate the performance of a pastor uh, when you're not evaluating that on uh, 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 nickels and nickels noses things like that? You know, it's a yeah, it's a tough one. It really is. Uh, I, I do think that um, there are available, you know, some um, instruments to help with that. But beyond that, and most of the instruments that I've seen don't get into dark side issues. They don't get into yeah. I think, um, 
what's good sometimes is to uh, perhaps let the pastor pick two or three board members that they really trust. Uh, you know, you might have a board of, say, eight or ten people. Right. A pastor's not going to have an equal trusting relationship with every single one of them. We we might wish that was so. It's not so. Right. But usually there'll be two or three uh, really trusted people, and I think that the uh, those people and the pastor need to get away and sit down and have a conversation. Uh, you know, uh, this is what we've seen in this year uh, in your life. Uh, you know, to us, it seems like you're working too much, or um, to us, sometimes it seems like you're embellishing the truth when you preach, or and to have an honest conversation, you know, uh, what is driving you, that sort of thing. I think it also helps in a pastoral situation uh, to have a conversation with the spouse. Uh, yeah. And, you know, what's really happening at home. Uh, now, and most churches don't do this. <laughs> they just don't do it. You know, so they'll look at budget. They'll look at the increase in attendance. Uh, you know, the pastoral report. Well, I, you know, I preached 40 times this year. I did this. And I did this. And I did this. But uh, no one really ever has a, a serious conversation about life and ministry, the prayer life. Pastor, how's your prior prayer life going? Are you praying? Are you in a good correcting prayer? Uh, do you have any relationships outside the church? Do you have any hobbies? Uh, you know, and as far as I know, and the boards I've interacted with over the years, no one ever has these conversations. When I was, a, honestly, I was a pastor for nine years and nobody ever asked me, um, are you spending enough time with your wife? Uh, how's your prayer life faster? Uh, you know, um, are you, are you able to, you know, get some relaxing time away from the church? No one ever asked me that. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I hope that, yeah, as a result of even, you know, just some of these conversations and, and yeah, I'm encouraged in some ways by even the, the responses, like I mentioned to some of our ECFA member surveys, there are you know, even the boards and the organizations that aren't doing these things, Gary, we're seeing more interest in it. And how do we do it? And maybe like you said, it's because of some of the awareness pieces and so on. But I was going to also tack on to what you were sharing. And I think a key question, too, from a board standpoint, as they're having that conversation with the leader is to also just ask some of those open ended questions as well about what kind of support do you need? Um, because, and again, coming back to some of the survey work that we've done, the leaders that have responded to that have said, Hey, you know what? It is awkward. It is awkward to bring up and say, boy, you know, I really feel like I need a sabbatical or, or I could use counseling in my life or whatever it is. It's, it can be hard for a leader to come to the board and, and feel like they're being vulnerable and ask for that level of help. But if you are one of those two to three, like you say, trusted board members, if you were to ask a leader and to invite that, I just think that there could be some real, um, some real meaningful feedback that could come from the leader as a result of that. Sure. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I think if, uh, uh, the leader is wise, they'll have, uh, an outside coach or an outside mentor, uh, outside the organization. Uh, we hear a lot more about that today. Uh, you know, in every field in in our world, a person has a coach. Uh, right. <laughs> Tiger Woods had a coach, you know. I mean, uh, the best of the best. Multiple, multiple coaches, multiple, probably. The best of the best have a coach yeah. um, or someone outside of them uh, that they can uh, talk to and, and, and share with. Uh, and, and people who can be honest with them. So sometimes it's not always within the board. Uh, but what the board could do is the board could say to uh, the, 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 the leader of the organization, uh, we want you to have an outside mentor. We want you to have a coach. Yes, so, yes. You know, we're going to meet again for another board meeting in three months. So in three months, we want you to come back and tell us, who is your coach? And are you, right. are you meeting with them weekly or monthly? What are you doing? Uh, 
uh, or in a pastoral situation, you know, you could maybe move it even beyond the coach to, we want you to have some sort of a mentor, um, you know, someone who's a little bit older than you, more experienced than you, been down the road further than you, who are you meeting with? And uh, yeah. who are you meeting with them? And, uh, you know, kind of gently uh, force, I guess, <laughs> the, the pastor to get somebody, uh, a meaningful coach, you know, outside of their life. Because uh, a lot of times, particularly in pastoral ministry, where there's high expectations on the pastor to be holy and to be perfect, even though we know they're not perfect, uh, but there's there's uh, external expectations the congregation has and the board has. And then, of course, the pastor's got uh, their own internal uh, expectations, <laughs> too, which are sometimes yeah. uh issue. But uh, if, if they, can, they can't sometimes feel that they can be completely honest with their board, uh, well, that's probably the wrong term. Uh, they can be honest, but they can't be completely open. Uh, mm, good about yeah feelings and their thoughts and things but they need somebody and the board could encourage that the the board could pay for that because sometimes to get a coach you need to pay that coach uh to be good point uh, right the board could you know pay for that uh, the board could pay for the sabbatical uh, uh and uh, that's probably one of the good things that's happened over the last i'd say 10, 15 years of church ministry is that um, there is more and more pastors now who are getting a sabbatical, uh, paid leave after maybe six years or so, uh, two or three months, you know, to get away, to rest, to sleep, to evaluate. Um, and I think if a board really wants their pastor to stay a long time, uh, then they probably need to build in some sort of a sabbatical leave policy uh, into the whole, you know, church system. So uh, the person gets a rest. A lot of times the pastors leave churches and go to another church. Frankly, they just need rest. <laughs> That's right. If they could have a sabbatical, they would probably stay in their church. Uh, wow. You know, but a lot of pastors know the only way to get a break is to change churches. Then they get a month or two or three months between churches. <laughs> yeah. Well, Gary, if you had to use just one word uh, to describe, I know this might be tough, but if you if you just had one word to describe the impact that healthy leadership, integrity and in leadership, that that could have on a ministry organization, what would uh, that one word be? Trust. 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 Yeah. You said that earlier. Leadership yeah. is trust. Yeah. I, uh, I... Yeah, no. I I thought a lot about this, and I I think that uh, leadership really is all about trust, and uh, to have a healthy organization, no matter what the organization, uh, there has to be trust within the organization, uh, and that goes both ways. It's it's trust upward to the uh, the CEO, the lead pastor, whoever it is. Uh, you know, trust of the board, uh, you know, are they doing what they should do? Um, are they uh, honest and in their dealings and uh, uh, what they say? Uh, uh, but it goes downward, too. You know, do the employees, mm. uh, do they show up on time? Do they do their job well? Do they uh, give an honest day's work for uh their pay, uh, you know, it can can the leadership trust the people? Can the people trust the leadership? I, if you don't have that, it's just really difficult uh, in any organization to see uh, growth and development uh, in a healthy way. And if it's that's right, if it's unhealthy, uh, it can go on for a long time. Uh, but uh, eventually, there will be a collapse somewhere. Uh, in the organization uh, at some level uh, in the organization. And then when it collapses, then uh, a lot of people are hurt, damaged. Uh, ah. We've seen plenty of examples of that, uh, particularly in uh, some churches over the years, uh, but also in some uh, major 
organizations too. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think about Enron and <laughs> some other well, organizations uh, where, uh, you know, people were lying and uh, cheating and eventually it, it collapses. And then lots of people, yeah, lots of people are damaged. Of course, in the, in the, the, the business world, people are damaged financially and uh, things of that nature. Uh, uh, in the church world, uh, you know, people can be driven away from the Lord. And um, ultimately, that's uh, more uh, dangerous. That's right. Well, you've uh, just shared so much with wisdom with us today and uh, given us a lot to think about. Um, and uh, I do just encourage all those who are listening, Gary, to check out Overcoming the Dark Side of Leadership. It's a, it's a fantastic resource. And um, what are some other ways that folks can be following you, just staying in touch with your continued work as well? Sure. Well, uh, they can uh, go to my website, uh, which is churchgrowthnetwork.com. Uh, and, uh, I have a weekly blog that's on there. Um, and, uh, the post, I have postings on Facebook and Instagram, uh, each week. Uh, but, um, if they, uh, go to my website or go to the books, uh, all my contact information is in there in the back and I'd be happy to talk with people by phone, email, uh, whatever, if they've got questions, uh. I also am willing to come out and uh, consult with a church or a board and uh, and meet with them. And uh, I do a lot of work in the area of uh, staffing and board relationships and uh, staff relationships, things of that nature. So uh, look me up on churchgrowthnetwork.com and uh, contact me if uh, I can be of help. All right. Well, Gary, we will do that. And you are a blessing uh, to our community, but you've been a blessing especially to ECFA today. So thank you so much again for all your insights. Michael, thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor to be with you. I appreciate all the good work that you folks are doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Behind the Seal podcast from ECFA. What hope we can glean from reflecting on our shadow side, on the unseen motivations, is that Christ's work in us can redeem everything. The upside down kingdom, servants are leaders, weaknesses become strengths. We always appreciate a review wherever you get your podcast and share it with a friend and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Take care. And God bless.